0: Hello and welcome to the Beauty Therapists of Australia podcast. I am your host Kathleen Klassman and you might know me from the Facebook group Beauty Therapists of Australia for Industry Leaders, a group for professional beauty therapists to unite, get educated, and of course, become industry leaders. Here on the podcast, I answer and discuss the best questions you submitted into the group over the past week. And in today's episode, we will be discussing what a client should be wearing during a facial, the treatment of teenage acne and the use of pharmacological topical applications and the latest brow trend brow lamination. Before we dive into these topics, I would like to remind you that if you would like to have your question answered, jump on over to Facebook and join our free Facebook community. Just search Beauty Therapists of Australia for industry leaders and click join to get connected. Also if you would like to stay updated on all things related to the beauty industry follow me personally on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Just search my full name Kathleen Klassman. All right beauty therapists let's get into it and thank you so much for being here for our first episode. How exciting. I'm really happy to be here with you all and I do intend in making this a weekly podcast but for now while I'm figuring a few little things out please bear with me if this isn't a weekly podcast. Perhaps it'll be fortnight to begin but we'll work up to that weekly commitment. So thank you so much for being here and let's get into the first topic.
1: Alrighty, so for the first topic, we will be discussing Nicole's question. And she submitted into the group Hello, therapist. Just wondering, what do you have your clients wearing during a facial? And with her question, she also attached an image of a gown. And I'm sure you've seen this gown before. (laughs) It's the gown that starts just under the armpit just above the breasts and goes all the way down to the knees it does start off with an elastic type band and then it's pretty free flowing from there on in it's a nice soft velvety fabric typically and i know for myself i was given one of these during my tafe diploma days (laughs) for my clients to wear during their facials so there were definitely a couple of ladies who commented and offered their suggestions on the post. But before we get into those and start to discuss those answers, I wanted to provide some follow-up questions for Nicole. Not only for Nicole, but for you as a listener so we can all relate this question to our own business or unique experience. So my first question for Nicole is what kind of facials are you providing? Are you providing the relaxing type facials where you perhaps have a spa where your clients come in mainly just for the experience and that skin soothing uh, results? Or are you more of a clinic where you provide results driven treatments where your clients are in and out and Again, they're there for the results. And also, what is your price point and who is your target client? Because depending on your price point, really, it'll really determine whether you can even afford to use a gown like this. If it is uh, suitable for your business and your target client, then perhaps you would want to add this in there. So this is a few little things that we need to discuss. And also, I think the most important part of this whole question is, what are you actually trying to achieve by providing these gowns for your facials? Is it for the comfort? Is it for adding to the experience? Is it for modesty? I'd love to know a little bit more, and we're definitely going to discuss all these points. And lastly, do you have change rooms for your clients or does your client actually do robe in the treatment area? And I do want to address this one first of all because it really does, I think it does matter um, as to whether you would use a gown or not by answering this question. Because for me, what makes sense is that I would provide a gown like this for my clients if they were to get. Change in perhaps a change room and then they would put a gown over the top so like a nice big dressing gown or something along those lines and then they would then sit in a treatment area so they can you know enjoy a cup of herbal tea and snacks and just kind of bask in the whole experience but perhaps if the client is actually just derobing in the treatment area and they don't have to step out into a communal area where they have to be modest and where they would cover up and be in these areas around other people then I mean I'm not sure why this gown would be needed but perhaps Nicole or for yourself the listener would have another answer to this so this is my determining question as to why um You would have the gown in the first place it makes sense to me to have one if your client does go from a change room to the treatment area now to backtrack a little bit i wanted to talk about the kinds of facials so if it was a relaxing type facial in perhaps a spa I can imagine there probably would be a change room and you would be escorted to the treatment area and In this case, I think it 's really appropriate to have a gown because if you 're just given say a like a dressing gown or a robe, it might feel a little bit you might feel a little bit exposed if you 're a female and you know, we all have our own body conscious issues, and perhaps without a gown, your clients may feel a little bit vulnerable. Uh, but perhaps if you do have a clinic where you're providing those results-based treatment, I'm not really sure if this would be necessary unless you were walking them through and you needed them to derobe this um, de-robe take the shirt off um, and perhaps even their pants as well so it really depends on how much they need to undress <laughs> and where they're going to be situated. I know for myself when I've worn these gowns I personally find them actually really disruptive and uncomfortable especially if I need to wear it in the bed so I'm sure you can imagine just trying to get into the bed under a towel and in the blankets, and you've got this gown on (laughs) and you have to kind of push it down so it's not bunching up under your knees or under your buttocks. So for me I find them really uncomfortable but perhaps for your situation you're thinking maybe we'll have the client take them off before they get into the bed and I think it really does depend on all of these factors. So for me when I imagine a gown in a clinic setting I really only see it for yeah for if your, cli- if your client has to derobe that far and they must maintain that modesty um, and perhaps go through these communal areas other than that I don't know if it really is necessary especially for a clinic when usually the treatment is from the neck upwards and sometimes uh, a clinics will provide treatments from the decollete up I know I do but I personally wouldn't want to wear one in the bed. I would just much rather uh, derobe to what was appropriate in the treatment area and into the bed. And the last question to really discuss is. I'm going to put these two questions into one, and that was the target client price point and what you're really wanting to achieve with these gowns. I think we've definitely addressed that last one about what you're trying to achieve, but perhaps, Nicole, or anyone who's listening, you would have your own reasons for this. And for me, the only reason I can see is, again, if your client's going to and from a I guess, say, an area where other people are present. Uh, But in terms of the price point, like I said, it would have to feel appropriate for your business. And do you have those funds um, in your business to cover the laundering of these gowns? I myself would hate (laughs) to be provided a gown that I know had been worn by someone else, particularly one of these gowns. I mean, they start at the underarms and we get nice and warm <laughs> in these treatments in bed. So I would find it a little bit off-putting if there was any kind of uh, scent or any inclination that someone had worn this before me. So you really do have to factor in that price point. And again, the target client. I think if it was a younger uh, younger client who um, is coming in for a skin treatment, they I mean, we're all different with our body image and self-consciousness, but I do think a younger client would probably, perhaps a younger, thinner client, and I'm absolutely generalizing here, they would probably feel... little bit more confident in their body and they probably wouldn't mind getting under the blanket like this however maybe if it's a bigger woman who finds it hard to cover up her body perhaps this would be appropriate and as you can see I'm generalizing and I'm making a lot of guesses and a lot of statements and depending on your business your business model your business structure all of these things this question would differ but these are just my thoughts so far So we definitely had a couple of ladies comment, and Jazz mentioned in her comment, she uses towels. She says, I feel I go through way too many gowns, and I like to change toweling after every client. Gowns get expensive, so I've just opted for towels now. Yeah, and I can completely understand what Jazz is saying in this instance, and I feel the same in my clinic, and I own a skin clinic where it is results driven but it is a little bit more so about that experience as well and although i've never used a gown i can definitely agree towels are expensive and you know gowns are just another layer of laundering to add into the whole picture so i just love that just love the option of towels for my clinic and i change them between every single client and this serves my business but It might be different for yours. Uh, We also had Vanessa comment, and this is what she said. She said, also consider your brand and price of service when assessing which option to choose. If you're trying to communicate luxury to your client, you would probably choose the sheet or the doona, the heavy blanket option over a towel or a gown, and your pricing is likely to be more expensive. And I do agree with Vanessa here, and I think this is definitely open to interpretation because I have um, personally seen this work really well in a more uh, let's say up market or it was a very luxurious spa and the price point was pretty high and the gown option with the towels worked perfectly fine and they actually provided like a heavier well it wasn't a heavy blanket but it was a, a lighter kind of quilt that really gave that experience of luxury but they were able to produce this luxury feel by the the whole aesthetics of the building so there are just so many factors and I think this has been a good topic to really start this whole episode off with and I'd love to hear your thoughts what what do you have your clients wear during a facial do you ask them to derobe in a changing room or is it in the treatment area gosh there are so many options and I hope this is really given you a little bit of clarity for your particular situation or it's just been a little bit of food for thought. definitely comment below on this podcast or share in the group on Nicole's post we'd love to hear from you Alrighty, so for the second topic in this episode, we have a question that was submitted by Jody, and this is what Jody said. Hello, beauties. My 17-year-old daughter has just seen the doctor to get some warts removed, and whilst there, the doctor asked about her skin and acne. She ended up giving us a script for Epiduo Gel, which contains Adapalene, a retinoid in brackets, and benzoyl peroxide, an antibiotic and skin peeling agent in brackets. I'm not happy for her to use this product due to the side effects and damage the ingredients do on the skin. Her acne really isn't that bad and has drastically improved since using the Dermalogica acne regime. Has anyone used this product with success and does it make the skin feel fragile and prevent treatments with IPL and microdermabrasion? awesome question Jody, and I love that she's reached out to the group and I just want to say congratulations how exciting she's already getting results since using the Dermalogica acne range I have heard that this is a new range I've not yet tried it myself but amazing it's really good to see some results and I definitely think we have a lot to discuss on this because Although, as beauty therapists, we don't have the qualifications to really comment on pharmacological topical actives, we we can still we can still talk about it. I mean, we're not going to make these recommendations for the clients um, to do with how to use these gels. Or in this case the epiduro gel but we can we can give them a bit of thought and we can give them a bit of education on what these active ingredients really are so before we go into answering and discussing Jody's question and giving her some good pieces of advice I wanted to talk to you and educate you about the active ingredients so According to WebMD, Adapalene is a medication used to treat acne. It may decrease the number and severity of acne pimples and promote quick healing of pimples that do develop. Adapalene belongs to a class of medication called retinoids and it works by affecting the growth of cells and decreasing swelling and inflammation. And as you probably already know, there are many different types of retinoids within the family. There's retinol palmitate, there's retinol, there's retinol aldehyde, there's so many. And they all have their benefits, I mean, I should say their pros and cons. And it really is up to the consumer or the therapist in mind as to which one they would prescribe. And in this case, only a doctor can prescribe adapalene. So to answer what is benzoyl peroxide, again, according to WebMD, benzoyl peroxide is a medication used to treat mild to moderate acne, and it can be used in, in combination with other acne treatments. When applied to the skin, benzoyl peroxide works by reducing the amount of acne causing bacteria and also causing the skin to dry and peel and again benzoyl peroxide it doesn't necessarily have to be prescribed in a pharmacological manner we see it a lot in different skincare products out there we see it in i mean it's one of the classic product ingredients in the proactive range but i mean you'll find it in so many different other skin care items like spot treatments cleansers honestly, all kinds. And I think what's really important to know with benzoyl peroxide, I know from my experience and many of your experiences, it it does cause the skin to dry and peel. It is actually quite an irritating ingredient. And I know in my uh, experience, I've had a lot of clients say to me when they've used benzoyl peroxide products, they And they go to bed at night and they wake up in the morning to find their pillow has been stained or bleached in some way. So it does bring a lot of uh, concern to those who have been exposed to this ingredient and is definitely one of those ingredients that you want to proceed with caution. So now that we've discussed these two active ingredients, I... I wanted to talk a little bit about I guess how they can help the skin and although in this circumstance Jody isn't really happy for her daughter to use this product which is absolutely fine um, we all choose different options when it comes to treating acne um, but I wanted to yeah, really answer. Has anyone used this product with success? And if you have, definitely comment below. Has it been good? Has it been bad? I know in my clinic, I have seen other clients use this product with success. So I in my clinic, I'm not really one to comment or give suggestions on how to use your pharmacological, topical products or even internal oral medications it's just not my place however I do ask my client about how it's going and they sometimes they do choose to use these um, in these medications and that is okay and we're better to be informed than not informed at all so in one case I had a client she came to me with I'd say about a grade somewhere between grade one and grade two acne um, and she had a fair few pustules and papules nothing too severe so no cysts and nodules but there were quite a few there and it had been bothering her for some time and she actually went to the doctor and was prescribed epidurogel. gel and in her experience what actually happened was yes the inflammation did go down the redness decreased um, and those postules and papules just weren't present anymore but what she was left with was a whole heap of open and closed comedones so absolutely this product worked in her case to reduce the acne but it just wasn't enough to really get rid of the product um her acne in the first place it really is only addressing a couple of the factors in acne in in any circumstance and I believe that when treating acne you want to be going at it from a holistic view not just applying a topical ingredient but thinking of all the other factors involved With acne. So, if I was to just isolate this, I'd say it was pretty successful for her because it reduced these papules and postules. But to get the results that we wanted for her, and I'm still working with this client, by the way, we've had to do many other things and really look at her regime in much more detail now please let me know if you would like um, in future episodes for me to talk a little bit more about my personal experience with treating clients if we do bring up skin issues because this is something I do every day in my clinic Um, but for today I won't go into too much more detail I just wanted to share my own story or experience with this product She did definitely as well experience a little bit of irritation but nothing substantial. And in the client's case that I'm mentioning... She did have the the benefit on her side that she did have a pretty resilient skin. She wasn't on that uh, sensitive end of the spectrum where her skin is easily irritated. She had a little bit more of a darker complexion, not the Fitzpatrick 3, but probably a Fitzpatrick 2. And um, she was able to withstand an irritating product like benzoyl peroxide and adapalene. So it worked for her, but I can imagine if the client um that we were talking about, and I don't know, uh, what Jodie's daughter, um, Fitzpatrick skin is or even her skin type, but if they were someone who were a bit darker, and a little bit or at more risk of developing post-inflammatory hyper or hypo pigmentation, I would be a little bit cautious introducing these active ingredients, or at least advising my client of the possible side effects here um, because we do know benzoyl peroxide is is pretty irritating and you don't want to give the skin that extra inflammation and have to clear up the work, uh, I guess, the scarring that's left behind or the pigmentation, I should say. So she did also ask, Has um, has anyone does it make the skin fragile and prevent treatments with IPL and microdermabrasion? And I believe we have really discussed this so far. And I believe it would make the skin a little bit fragile. Of course. I mean, anything that's disrupting the skin barrier, for example, b- benzoyl peroxide, it, it is, it's going to impair the skin and it's going to make the skin work harder to regenerate and essentially protect itself. And when it comes to preventing treatments like IPL and microdermabrasion then it really is a case-by-case thing and look person I mean (laughs) it's going to be hard not to put my personal opinions into these podcast episodes but for the record when it comes to treating acne I actually don't use IPL or microdermabrasion myself and I'm able to get results I choose a corneotherapeutic approach when it comes to treating acne so I don't For my first port of call for treating acne, I don't go for ablative methods. I actually go for methods that repair the barrier and they get the skin functioning and the skin cells to communicate better. That's my personal preference. And I mean, everyone is different. But when it comes to treating acne um, with IPL and microdermabrasion, look, you definitely need to assess whether the skin barrier is intact or not. And really, why are you choosing these options? When it comes to microdermabrasion, personally, yeah, it has been around for quite some time. And I'm sure we've all used it and we've all had that instant gratification of microdermabrasion where it's like, oh, my skin feels so soft and smooth. And honestly, it can be a really refreshing treatment. But for acne, I just... I just don't love this treatment for acne because in most cases, 90% of the cases that I see, well, actually more like 99%, the skin barrier is already disturbed. And why would you go in there again with a an ablative treatment that takes away that top layer of the skin? So these are all things to think about and really discuss um, with your client and in this case... Uh, jody's daughter is 17 so i'm guessing there's definitely a hormonal influence we all know hormones affect the way the sebaceous glands produce oil and in those teenage years we're all covered with oil slick that we just never really expected (laughs) a lot more than normal so in my opinion treating her daughter during this time i'd be doing it in the most conservative way possible while maintaining her skin uh, barrier and keeping her skin intact but giving gentle ingredients yeah i like retinols um, and i don't mind salicylic acid as well but i would be using other ingredients as well i love azelaic acid Vitamin, the vitamin B complex, including uh, niacinamide, that's fantastic. And also considering antioxidants like green tea. So, gosh, there are so many to choose from, but that's just a general beginning for treating a teenage acne. And also, just again, not overstripping the skin, bringing back that barrier, trying to reduce, not reduce, but kind of help the the oil slick on her skin you don't want to remove all the oil but you also don't want to overfeed and over the skin so it's about finding a delicate balance and again not over exfoliating I couldn't stress that any more than what I already have so I hope this has been really fascinating for you for discussing the use of these topical pharmacological ingredients they're are so many out there and I definitely think we'll be discussing them in future episodes so thank you Jodie for this fantastic question and for the third and final topic we will be discussing brow lamination now this is a really fun topic for me to bring up and we had Um, a couple of ladies actually talk about this topic and we also had a video posted into the group. Actually, I shared that one in there (laughs) and it was from Ella Bache and they had a representative on there talking about brow lamination. So I wanted to talk about this topic a little bit more generally and not so much provide a solution because there wasn't really a question attached to this, but it was more to just discuss this new trend that's entered the market and just get you thinking about trends in general. So as you know, (laughs) there are so many trends out there in the industry and even 10 years ago, no one really cared about brows like they do now. (laughs) There really wasn't that same amount of hype and Just thought, there really wasn't that much thought around brows. It was just like a quick brow wax and off you go. But now we're investing money into our brows and we're showcasing our brows. And I am all for that. I think a good brow really does complement someone's look and it can really make or break look it can make you look really beautiful and natural or it can make you look stark and angry so going for the brow that suits you is always the best option and this is where trends come into play now I'm sure you've all seen there are there's so many brows out there right there's the whole sculpted brow there's the feathery brow there's the dark brow the light brow the long-haired brow the short hair brow gosh there's so many and depending on the trend that's the most popular at the time is sometimes what a therapist will give to their clients or perhaps the client will be requesting this specific brow and it's, it's totally okay for the client to be requesting a certain look and I think that's totally fine. But as the therapist, as the brow expert and as the brow technician, I do believe we have an obligation to educate our clients and give them a alternative perspective and really look at their brows, look at their face, look at their entire structure and their lifestyle and just everything and give them our best recommendations based on all of the above fact- factors because there's no point in just putting on the same trending brow onto every single client and just hoping for the best some face structures it'll suit um, a more of a you know an angular and tapered brow whereas on another face they might suit a more softer and rounded version and I believe, when it, in our industry right now, one of the best teachers for uh, nat- the natural brow and finding ways to, yeah, design a brow in the most beautiful way possible is the True Brow um, International. So that is a company, an international company, um, by L. Wilson. So I'm sure you've heard of it before, but I absolutely love True Brow and their their way of educating about brows but I just thought I'd add that in there and just say look if you're interested in the kind of methods I'm just talking about now definitely seek out Elle Wilson from True Brow but back to the topic I do think we have to really have this responsibility as the therapist and when it comes to a brow trend like brow lamination we must Oh gosh, we must proceed with caution because we don't want to be chasing trends. And Elle Wilson said this in a recent video and I just admire her for putting it out there and actually actually being the leader on this topic and saying, look, you don't have to follow trends, you can actually just stick to your guns (laughs) and provide something that is timeless and suits the client in front of you I just love I just love that she said this, but then again, you might be a clinic owner or a or whatever you have a business where you provide brows and it might be really suitable for your clientele to actually provide this brow lamination now i 'm not here to comment on what brow lamination is, please do your own research on this, but I personally. I personally think with this trend it is a trend and I think just due to the nature of it I don't think it'll be around for long and it just doesn't make sense to me but if it does suit your business and it does suit your clientele and you have clients asking for it then I don't see the harm in it if you do maintain where you came from and what you're doing and you educate the client that's that's my main takeaway on this so And definitely go check out Elle Wilson and see what she has to say about this and check out True Brow. And just wanted to quickly point this out. This isn't sponsored. This is just because I love what she does and I follow all of her work. And I definitely think she's a leader in the brow space. But yeah, let me know. What do you think of brow elimination? Is it something to stick around or is it a trend that is fleeting? please comment below on the podcast, comment below in the group um, on the post where this podcast will be shared. And yeah, just let me know in general.
0: I'd love to hear from you all. Before you go, I'd like to say thank you for being here with me. By listening to this podcast, it shows that you are dedicated to your education as a beauty therapist, and it proves that you have what it takes to be an industry leader. Stay on top of your game, beauty therapists. Keep educating yourself and networking amongst your peers, and don't forget the reason why you chose this industry in the first place. If you would like to connect with other Australian beauty therapists, make sure to join the Facebook group by searching Beauty Therapists Australia for industry leaders. And if you would like to follow me personally, again, just search my full name, Kathleen Classman, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Stay well, beauty therapists, and I'll see you here next time.